what is success? How do we get there? Uh, what, what is divine, uh, how do you define success? Uh, and not just how do you define success, but what does God say about success? So we're going to continue this teaching this morning. But first, I want to pray and set our attention upon him, lead you in a confession of faith before we jump off this morning. So let's pray together. Thank you, Father God, for the entrance of your word, giving light and understanding. I pray for every person here that you, uh, that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Father God, that we ask for the eyes of our heart to be flooded with light even right now i thank you lord that you show us areas to change you show us what we need but also you show us who you are the goodness of god will lead us to repentance make us want to serve you with all our all our soul our mind our strength our life thank you lord for your goodness today ask for your help in preaching and teaching your word i have no desire to say my own words but but to say what you would have said for these people and myself this morning thank you lord for it in jesus name let's say this together everybody say i am a tree come on say it like you mean it say i'm a tree being planted by the rivers of water my leaf won't wither i'll prosper in everything that i do and i'll be fruitful in every season of my life because i'm planted by the river of god god i'm asking you to open my mind Open my heart to what you're saying this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Just to give you like a 30-second recap of where we've, where we've been with this wisdom thing. The first off I want to say about this is, is, is success is not just uh, in dollar signs. That we're looking at not just success in money, but we're looking at success in life. Or you could say we're looking at biblical success. God has an idea of success. Man has an idea of success. So we're looking at both of those. I don't want just man's success without God's success. I want him to say that I'm successful. Because a man could look at me and say, wow. Nice house, nice car, nice wife, nice kids. You're pretty successful. But that's not really the definition of success because those people are walking around all over the planet. But if they had to stand before God, then he would say, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. You really haven't uh, haven't done what what I assigned you to do. So we're looking at biblical success. And the, the where we're pulling it from is three words from Jesus. Jesus, many times he said, come to me. Other times he said, follow me. But then there are other times specifically whenever he said learn from me so lots of times we like to come to Jesus Jesus I need forgiveness I need grace I need healing we come to him other times we follow Jesus I don't know what to do I need some direction I need some help and Jesus he'll show you what to do but many times Jesus he was he would say this he would say learn from me in other words we don't want to just come to Jesus to get some stuff we actually want to learn from him the Bible says he would get in a boat he would push off and he would teach the people. He would get up on the side of a mountain. He would, he would teach the people. He went from synagogues all over the place. He was preaching and teaching. He would say the kingdom of heaven is like this. You should do this. Or he said the kingdom of God is like this. You should do that. If you would see things like this. If you would act like that. Then he gave us the keys to success. But you and I have to tune in to that and say. Jesus I'm not just here for forgiveness. And I'm not here just to cross something off my list. I went to church this 
this week. Check. Now, you have to say, Jesus, I want to learn from you. You're the one from which success just flows out of you. I want to hook into the life that's in the vine so that that same life will come into the branches and so that I'll be fruitful and productive. And at the end of my life, I'll have not just success with man, but I'll have success with God and man. So we're looking at biblical success that is eternal that that doesn't just stay in this world, but actually the Bible says that we can have success here that actually doesn't just stay here, but it transcends time and goes up into eternity. So we saw first off that, that success comes through wisdom. How many of y'all remember that one? Success comes through wisdom. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10, he says, wisdom brings success. Well, my God, that's easy. All we got to do is get some wisdom. If wisdom brings success, that's what we need. How do we get it? Well, James asked for it. Who else asked for it? Solomon asked for it. He said, God, give me some wisdom. James said, man, I need some wisdom. The greatest, most successful people in Scripture, they asked God for this wisdom. Or they said, God, I don't have all the answers. You've got all the answers. You know what it takes for me to be a successful husband, a successful dad, a successful... You know what it is. God, I need wisdom. Give me wisdom. The last time we met, we saw that, that Jesus said faithfulness brings success. That we have to be faithful with another man. Faithful in, a, in little things and faithful with our money. And he says if a faithful man will abound with success. So faithfulness, wisdom. This morning I want to talk to you about faithfulness or wisdom through effort. Well, let's say it like this, uh, work your butt off. Just work your butt off. Work your behind off. Success through effort. So I've got a little video that I want to show you because I I really like this stuff. I I like to watch uh, documentaries and and people and and things about people that just go from nothing to something because they just work their butt off. How many of y'all like those stories? How many of y'all saw The Pursuit of Happiness? Wasn't that such a good movie, man? That man's down and out trying to raise a single kid, old tattered clothes. But man, you talk about get it done. Oh, I'm going to make a grown man cry. I can say that, mother. Just watching, just, you try not to cry. You're biting your lips. You're like, you don't want him to see you. But man, just, just to watch that guy, watch that dad and him, he says, I want to be on the stock exchange and I have nothing. I really don't have the credentials, but I'll do the work. And man, they put him through the battery, but he comes out. So I love that type of stuff. I like, you know, Tiger Woods, just whenever he was a kid, he wrote 18 on the wall of his of his room and he says the baddest the best golfer in history has 18 majors and just as a kid don't you love kids he says i'll beat that that's my goal that's my that that's what i'm trying to attain so he's at 14 he's got four to go you know and a big debate is will he make it you know i love i love watching shark tank you got mark cuban he's on there he says i know what it's like to eat ketchup sandwiches i know what it's like to eat mustard sandwiches whenever i didn't have anything nobody believed in me now he's a billionaire tyler perry he says i slept in my car for two years i would finance these films about some old lady named medea and nobody would come Uh, i would put all this money into this play and it would be the first night nobody would be there and I wanted to quit but he says I just kept working now what he's a billionaire right now he's most successful guy uh black guy in 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 television in movies right now just all those stories and they just come one right after another but they all have this common theme is I'm just gonna work my butt off 
And the whole series here we're talking about is success. And, and I could give you a hundred things of success, but none of them work without work. Does that make sense? So it, I, it doesn't matter how many of them I give you, uh, none of them will work without work. So you have to have this, and the Bible says a lot about work. And y'all probably won't run around to church today, but it'll help you. This is one of those good practical ones this morning. So anyway, the little video that I want to show you uh, has to do with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, I watched this a few weeks ago, and I was just, you know, I don't remember how I, how I found it or whatever. But, but it was a, a little a YouTube video or something, and it said Arnold's. Uh, five keys to success. And to some of you, Arnold ain't nothing. But growing up, for me, Arnold was like my hero. Do I have any people that, that are about my age that you thought Arnold was all that whenever you was a kid? Man, didn't you? Oh, man, Arnold was just the baddest to the bone, man. He was, it was so funny because I was watching this video and Noble walks in, my little boy. And uh, he, he's nine. He walks in and he goes, Cool. Who is that? He's never seen anybody with big muscles like that besides me. And uh, he's just used to me. I mean, I strut, you know. So he's just like, here I am again. (laughs) Flex, flex. Uh, He's used to me. Uh, So he walks in and he he says, man, who is that? And I said, what? That's Arnold Schwarzenegger, man. That's like like who I grew up watching. I I really like him. And he says, man, look at all those muscles. He could kill you. (laughs) I was like... Thank you. So then Ansley runs in. Ansley runs in and she goes, who is that? And I was like, man, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. She goes, he looks like a dinosaur. I was like, (laughs) and then she goes, I bet he has lots of girlfriends because he's strong. I was like, oh, that's what it takes. You know, you got to be strong. And nobody, nobody goes, I'll just, can I just share this with you? We may have to edit this out. But, but Noble, ever since he was a kid, whenever he sees a, a chest of like a man, he calls them brawls. That's what he calls them. So he walks in and he says, he says look at his brawls. <laughs> his brawls are huge. Look at his brawls. I was like, yeah, man, that man's got some muscles now. He is, he, 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 he's got it going on. So he watched this little video. And we're sitting there, and he's like, man, and you got to love boys, because I could already tell you, after you watch this video, you guys, you're going to go home, and you'll be flexing, and you're, you're going to hope your lady don't see you. But I already know. I, could already, I, could, I just already got it in my brain. I could see some of you walking by the mirror, and you're going to be like, yeah. you're going to be posing. <laughs> you know you are. It's just, it's, just, it's just human nature's habit, because the minute Noble starts watching this, he starts going, he starts posing. I'm just like. Keep it up, buddy. Keep, keep working on it. So he says, he says, he says I want to be like that. And this is my moment. As a, as a parent, you got to look for these teachable moments. You just got these just a few minutes. I said, sit down. So I just started telling him a little bit about Arnold. Because lots of times kids, they dream or they want something. They just don't understand what it takes to get there. And whenever you see somebody like anybody that I've already described, somebody on television that, that's breaking world records or somebody in the Olympics or somebody in business or somebody that's a great parent or, or a wonderful spouse, uh, you don't know the effort and the work that it takes to get there. So this is my moment. I sit my little boy down on the chair. I says, you can do that. 
You want to be like that, you can be just like that, but you'll have to do what, what, he, what he took to get there. And if you know anything about the story of Arnold, you know, at 13, he, told, he found a magazine, and on the cover of the magazine was, was this guy that was real ripped, Mr. Olympia. And he purposed in his heart, just at 13, he says, and he told his parents, he says, I want to be the best built person that ever was on the planet. Pretty lofty goal for a 13-year-old kid. But his parents brought him to a shrink. They brought him to a psychiatrist because they thought that he was crazy. They thought that he was nuts. So they brought him to this shrink. And, of course, the psychiatrist said, there's nothing wrong with him. He wants to be. But, but back then, it, there wasn't really a big sport for it. But at 14, he started training. He went and found a, a gym, and he starts working out. At 14, he said, I didn't have any money. The only thing I could do was push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups. At 15, he started meeting with... Uh, uh, psychologist that, that, that he learned of the power of the mind and then he started meeting with doctors that would explain to him how muscles worked at 15 years old so he's doing push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups and at 17 you're forced to join the army at Austria you have to be in the army for for a year his parents are very disappointed in him uh, because in Austria you're supposed to follow your parents if your daddy was a plumber you become a plumber if your daddy was a cop you become a cop and for his parents they're very upset at him because he wants to be buff I mean I like that word he wants to be uh, the most built person. So they're upset with him. He goes into the army. And while he's in the army, he turns 17. And they have this big junior national European championship. And, and he's doing all this push-ups. He wants to be in this thing. But he knows that if I go to this event, the only way I can get to it is if I break out of the army. I go absent without leave. And, and I, I, I go to this competition. But they're going to throw me in jail. I'm going to be in tremendous trouble if, if this happens. But he says... I'm I'm laying on my bunk at 17 and he says down on the inside I, I, I had already determined I'm not going it's not worth it but down on the inside he says what do you want to do Arnold what do you want to be not as what does everybody else want you to do what do you want to do with your life will you do what it takes to do what you want to do so he says I put on my boots and I sneak out of the army I sneak, sneak past the guards and he says I get on the outside and he realizes he says a Stugart that's the city where, the, where it is he says that's five Five hours away I'm out how am I going to get there so he says I hopped on a train and 25 hours later he has to keep hopping these different trains to get to the event he gets to the event nobody knows him there nobody knows anything about this guy he's in the army but he gets up there he wins the event big deal his first time just from push-ups sit-ups pull-ups but he's been doing this now for three years Push-ups, sit-ups, just over and over and over again. His parent thinks he's nuts. Everybody thinks he's crazy. But, but he, keeps, he keeps at it. So he wins the event. Of course, long story short, he goes back to the army, and they throw him in jail. But while he's in jail, they realize that he won. He's number one in Europe just as a 17-year-old kid. So then they pull him out of jail, and they put him over the PT of the whole army. They said, well, by God, you're doing something right. We're just going to make you over the whole darn thing. So then they started, uh, he started inventing out of tank parts. He would take parts off of a tank, and he, was, he would make his own weights, his own stuff that he could work out with. Long story short, he becomes Mr. Olympia seven times. Guinness Book of World Records for the greatest, uh, most sym symmetry, much like myself, body. 
most, most symmetrical body, Mr. Universe, Mr. World, most decorated, you know what I mean? This guy's just bad to the bone. Then they tell him, he won't see it, so he says, well, now I've accomplished that goal. It took him 10 years. By the time he was 23, he was number one in the world. He said, I started at 13. I didn't quit. I just keep working my butt off. So anyway, that was just kind of the precursor to this three-minute video. Now, you're about to see a bunch of muscles. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I actually didn't want my wife to watch it. So, Get out of here, baby. You can't watch this guy. Like 6'1", 250, or nothing but muscles. Get out of here. You don't want to see him. He's ugly anyway. Sorry, fellas. All right, y'all going to play it? Hit it. I didn't want to just be a bodybuilding champion. I wanted to be the best bodybuilder of all times. Dig deep down and ask yourselves, who do you want to be? Not what, but who. I'm talking about figuring out for yourselves what makes you happy. You have to think outside the box. That's what I believe after all. What is the point of being on this earth? All you want to do is be liked by everyone and avoid trouble. We have so many rules in life about everything. I say break the rules, not the law, but break the rules. I remember that after I was finished with my bodybuilding career, I wanted to get into acting. I wanted to be a star in films. Everyone had the same mind and it can't be done. Just look at your body. You have this huge, monstrous body and openly developed. It doesn't fit into the movies. But, uh, you know, I didn't listen to all this. This were their rules. I was convinced I could do it. And then I got the big break in Conan the Barbarian. Trust yourself no matter how, what anyone else thinks. And there the director said, if we wouldn't have Schwarzenegger, we would have to build one. Then when I did Terminator, I'll be back. Lines in a, a movie history, all because of my crazy accent. Just shows you never listen that you can't do something. Don't be afraid to fail. Anything I've ever attempted, I was always willing to fail. Don't be afraid of making decisions. You can't be paralyzed by fear or failure, or you will never push yourself. You keep pushing because you believe in yourself and in your vision. And you know that it's the right thing to do, success will come, so don't be afraid to fail. I mean, how many times have you heard that you can't do this, you can't do that, and it's never been done before? So pay no attention to the people who say it can't be done. Listen to the naysayers, I would still be in the Austrian Alps yodeling. I would never have come to America. I always listened to myself and said, Yes, you can. You never want to fail because you didn't work hard enough. Work your butt off. I always believe leaving no stone unturned. No pain, no gain. Party, 
someone out there at the same time is working hard. Someone is getting smarter and someone is winning. Just remember that. I look just like him. My silhouette. Can you can you see it? It's hilarious. The the last one, you know, he gives four or five things there, and all of them are scriptural. I could take you down all those paths, you know, believe in yourself, forget the naysayers, all those. But the last one that he says is, work your butt off. And be willing to work. So I want to talk this morning about uh, this subject. And we don't talk about it a lot in church. Probably should. Uh, because it's just good practical stuff. And the, and the reality is most of us spend the majority of our life at work. Second is sleep, right? I mean, the number one thing that you spend your life doing... Uh, pretty much is you're at a job, whether that's 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week or 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week or if you're offshore or whatever, but the the reality is we spend a lot of our time doing this. So so it would be crazy for us not to see what God says about the subject and apply the principles of it to our life and expect for His increase upon it. So the whole point of today is not to say you should be working and you're not working. Most all of you in here are having jobs, but most one, one whole part of us, I'm really just going to give you three things this morning, three points. The first one is, is that God works. God is a worker. Uh, the second one is, is the rewards of work, that there's rewards for it. And then uh, the third thing I'm going to give you this morning is how to work. Those three things, I'll, I'll, I'll leave those with you and, and then we'll get out of here. But, but I want you uh, to, to take this and, and apply it to your life and it'll make a difference. The whole series is called Success. And again, that you can't have success. None of the things that we'll talk about, whether it's uh, believing God for wisdom or faithfulness, none of the things that we talk about work if we don't have this mindset that, that we're workers. Jesus Christ, he said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. So, so we have to follow the pattern of God. And I'm here to tell you, God works his butt off. God is the consummate worker. He's the number one worker in the universe. And God works really in three realms. The first realm that God works in is the realm that you and I live in. And that's the realm that has to do with your senses. Whatever you taste, touch, see, feel, hear. God works in creation. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and form and the the spirit of God began to move upon the face of the deep and God said let there be light and there was light and God worked for how many days? Boom thank you God worked for six days he took one day off. How many of y'all don't like that pattern? I don't like that one. Change the subject. But God, he says, he says, listen, for six days, he says, I'm going to work. And then he put, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, that he put Adam in the garden to work it. Before Adam ever had a wife, he had a job. How many of y'all know that? Before Adam ever showed, before Eve ever showed up, Adam had a J-O-B. There's your good e-harmony tip right there for you single ladies. E-harmony for life. Just kidding. You need to find you an Adam that's got a J-O-B before he puts a ring on it, right? 
So God is, he works in the natural part. He, he still works in this universe. He still keeps things going right. He keeps the earth on the right axis. And we're just a small speck in a huge universe. God works in natural nature things that you can see. You have natural things that you work in. You, you bring the kids to their soccer game and you make the lunches and you go to the job and you sling the sledgehammer and you cut the firewood and all that stuff is very natural things and it's all good and you get paid for it some of it with money and some of it with kisses if you're married you know so so you do your work very natural things but God doesn't just work in things that you can see God actually works in things that you can't see Jesus said and we sometimes think that God God's done now after he created everything uh, he's he's not working anymore but John chapter 5 Jesus said this Jesus said my father is all the while my father is always at his work you know, know God's working right now I mean, I'm glad he don't take days off. I'm mean, glad he don't, he don't take days off. You, the Bible says you, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, he'll be there. Right? He's right there. He is always on the J-O-B. And, and Jesus, he's telling us, this is him speaking. He says, my father's always at his work to this very day. And Jesus says what? I too am what? He says, I too. He says, he says, I have a job. God has a job. Jesus has a job. We're not going to look into all their jobs. We'd be here all day. But, but the point is, is that they're both workers. And he works in nature, natural things that you can see, touch, feel, taste. But he also, it says here in Isaiah, it says, the Lord, your father, we are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. So God doesn't just work in things that you can see, but God's actually, I got good news for you. He's working in you. And you can't see it. And a lot of times you may not even think it. Lots of times you'll be going through life and you're like, man, I don't feel like I'm getting any better, any stronger, any closer. I'm getting any more uh, uh, what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. But I got good news. God's working in you. And you may can't see it. It's not a natural thing. But right now, God's actually doing a work in your heart, in your life, in your future. And he compares it to clay. I took a a ceramics class. Don't hate on me. I'm actually a potter, Allie. I don't know that I've ever shared this. Once we get the new building, I'll bring, I have a wheel, a potter's wheel, and I have some kilns. And uh, I could, we, we throw, is Allison in here? She's a ceramic. She does potter's stuff. There you are. Uh, Allison did it, McNeese and stuff. So we kind of talk pottery some. Uh, my mom's got all my, all my best work. <laughs> Actually, all the things I hated, I'm like throwing away. It's like, this is disgusting. My mom's like, can I have it? I'm like, what for? It's going in my bookcase. I'm like, it's cracked. It don't even have a handle. It's broken. What's wrong with it? And she thinks it's beautiful. Thank God for your mother. She, 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 mama likes the stuff that I was like, man, I wouldn't feed my dog out of that thing. It's like, that thing's horrible. Mama's got all of them. All of them in the book. Listen, listen there. You have some beautiful pieces. But, but here he, he says, the reason I'm going there is that there's a lot that goes into clay. There's a lot that goes into for you to have something that actually is functionable. And, and there's a lot of work and a lot of effort. And if you've ever done anything with, with clay and ceramics, some of it's brutal. You know, the first thing you do is you take a, a lump of clay and you beat the tar out of it. It's called wedging. You have to wedge that clay. How many of you ever felt like the Lord was really working on you? 
Man, he's beating the tar out of me. Jesus, what's going on here? He says, well, you got He's the, the reason he does that is if you don't wedge it right, no matter how beautiful it is, whenever you put it in the kiln, it'll bust. So the number one thing, your starting point is just work and beating and molding and mushing that clay, taking it from a hard lump into something that can be used and then you got to have a whole lot of water and then you got to pull on it and some parts of it have a lot of finesse and then some parts of it you really work on it and then once once you think wow it's beautiful now you got to go to the kiln and at 1700 degrees you get cooked I mean, how many of you understand that the process of the Lord working in you is not all the finesse. Sometimes God's trying to work some things out of you so that whenever you get put in the fire, you don't explode. God, God there'll be times whenever things are smooth and water, and then there'll be times when things are real hot. The, the point is God works in things that we can see, but also even you right now in your heart, he's working things out of you. And you may not understand it, and you may not like it, but he's a worker. I mean, I'm glad that he doesn't give up. I mean, I'm glad he's patient. He said, God, keep on working. Just, just keep, keep up the good work. Third, th- third place that God, God works is he works in futures. or he, where he doesn't just work in the now. He works out in front. Before, you know, probably two years before we ever started the church, uh, we were having a church service. And I don't even remember what all was going on, but I just remember the Lord. Uh, the Lord said real clear, very clear. I mean, I know when the Lord says something to you, it can really help you. And I was really, I knew that we were going to start a church. I knew that there was going to be some difficulty, lots of obstacles. But the Lord said, he said, I'm three months out in front of you working. Then he said, I'm six months out in front of you working. I'm a year out in front of you working. And then he said, he says, there's things that you'll arrive at five years from now that I'm working on right now. So I want you to know that that God is not just working on you now. Actually, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2.10, it says that we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus. We've been born anew so that we may do good works which God predestined. He planned beforehand for us that we would take paths which he prepared Ahead of time. That we should walk in them. Living the good life. How many of y'all, y'all want to live the good life? Talking about success here. He says you'll live the good life. Which God prearranged. And made ready for you to live. How many times does the word say. It says preordained. Predestined. Prepared ahead of time. So, so God works in creation. And things that you can see. God works in you right now. But God is already. He's already planning things for you. That you'll walk in. What, what's your job? What's your responsibility? Just stay on the wheel. And just keep working. If you'll keep working and you keep staying with the process, God says, I'm way out in front of you helping you. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, God says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He says, Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I had a plan for you. God's got plans for us. And you're just sitting here and you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know a whole, uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm living it. But the point is, is that God is a worker. He works. Think about this. Every second, five people are born on this planet. That's a lot. 
Every second, five people are born. That's literally as fast as, as people are born all across this planet. 267 a minute are born. That's a lot of babies. And yet God, just to show you how, how much he works or how he is, he says every one of those babies, before they ever came out, I'd already planned, predestined, and prepared before they ever showed up. I had a plan, a path for them to take that would lead them to the good life. Just as fast as you snap your fingers, God is working on you. He's working on your future. He's working three months out in front of you, a year out in front of you, five years out in front of you. We're about to start building a church, you know. And, and, but, but God was working on that five years ago. Before we ever moved down here, you know, we moved on to a piece of property that, that we didn't pay for. It was given to us. But, but it was uh, uh, my wife's great-grandfather won it playing cards a hundred years ago. And that's where our house sits today. A hundred years ago, her great-granddaddy won our nine acres playing cards. That'll, that'll blow your biscuit, just blow your brain right there. Whenever so now I sit on a piece of property that a hundred years ago, God gave him aces. Well, just kidding. God gave that man aces a hundred years ago. Because he knew that, that we would need somewhere to live to start a church. And listen, that's the type of stuff that just blow your mind. You think, and you think, well, God ain't thinking about me. Sister, he's thinking about your great-grandchild at this fast. Just as fast as they come out, God's got a plan for you. God's got things for you. You're going to walk into things. And just because of this message, just this message right here, God will bring this message right back to you five years from now. And he'll say, he told you I was working in your future. And you're going to be like, for real though. I can't believe it. I didn't believe it. I was thinking coffee or Piccadilly. And, and he's going to bring me back. He's going to bring me right back to you. And he's going to say, I told you I was out in front of you. And he said, but yeah, I'm unemployed right now. I don't have a job. I don't have this. I, I, I don't, I, right now. But I'm telling you, he's working in you right now like potter on a wheel, getting some stuff out of you, preparing you so that at the end you'll be a vessel of honor. But he's also working way out in front of you. And you just have to believe him for it. You just have to, instead of saying, I'm broke, I'm busted, I'm disgusted, I'm depressed, I'm single, I'm lousy, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. No, you have to change the way you think. And you have to think like Arnold. <laughs> right? You got to think like him, right? He says, I don't care what anybody else says. And I don't care what it looks like. He says, I believe this is the way it's going to happen. And, and, and the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, all hell is breaking loose. Uh, they're on a ship and the ship is going down and they're offloading things off. But all of a sudden an angel shows up to the Apostle Paul and he says, nobody will die on this ship. So he gets up on top of the ship and he tells all the guys, he says, cheer up, fellas. It's going to be even as God said that. That it will be. So it may look like the ship's going down. But baby we are a long way from going down. Because he's, he's in total control. The point of it is that God works. He's a worker. The second point is, is that he's created you to work. He's created you in his image. My pastor always told me. He says if you don't work. You don't work. In other words, uh, if you don't work, you really don't work. What's that mean? Well, God designed you to work. 
You know, bass boats were, were built for fishing. And if they just sit in a barn, eventually they just won't work. That's why lots of people, whenever they retire, what happens to them? They really go downhill, don't they? Isn't it sad? You work your whole life to retire, but then whenever you just get sediment or you don't do anything, then, then things kind of, they, they knock off. Why? Because God, he, He's designed you and us, uh, you and I, to be doing some things. So I want to show you the, the rewards of it. The rewards of our labor. I really want to talk about the rewards of our, our labor and then uh, how that we're supposed to work or the, what, the way that God's designed us to do it. It's not just enough for us to be workers, but, but we have to do it in such a way. And the, the Lord, He'll really get on to you. I'll say this. Uh, whenever it comes to this subject, He'll challenge you. Challenge me a lot uh, whenever it came to working. But I want to look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. It says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for just human masters. Whatever you're going to do, whatever you put your hand to. He says, you don't just do it for people. He says, you're actually doing it for the Lord. I worked for, uh, I worked for a guy years ago. And I'll close with this. My job was to clean up behind them. This is my job. Your assignment is once we leave, you come behind us and, and clean up. You got to clean everything up. I didn't like that job. How many of you ever had a job you didn't like? Didn't care for it. And every day I would sit on the side of my bed and I would say, God, I'm quitting today. I'm quitting. I quit. And the Lord said, You're not quitting. You're not quitting. You can't quit. I won't let you quit. So I did that for two years. I just kind of stuck with it, even though I really didn't like to do it. My job was to just clean up. That's what I had to do. But, but because there was nobody there to watch what I was doing, hey, I mean, I know what I'm saying. The boss ain't here. He ain't here. But the Lord was there. And he just really get on to me. Because my job was to sweep all of these rooms. And I would sweep this room. I'd put it in a pile. And, and I would put it in the thing. And I would dump it. And I'd go to the next room. And without fail, it seemed like about every day, I would have missed something. Or there would be something there. Or I would have just dumped it. And I would be walking away. And the Lord would be like, you left some there on the floor. I'd be like, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. you got to be kidding. All the time, though, he would challenge me to go back. Even whenever I worked at the last, the, my last job, there would be trash blowing across the yard or something. And my job was to pick up the trash. Nobody would be out there. And the Lord said, you need to go get that trash. And I say, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. But the Lord, he would challenge me. He said, listen, it's not just about a master. It's not just about somebody that's watching you. He says, he says, he says I'm wanting to do a work in you and I'm wanting to bless you, I wanted to get you to a place, but I need you not to just do it as unto somebody else, but do it as unto me. And there's a reward there if we'll work as unto the Lord. I'll leave you with these, uh, this last couple of scriptures. Verse, uh, Psalms 128, verse 2, it says, You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. From your labor, he says, I'll bless and I'll prosper what you're doing. But he says, you've got to give me something to work with. He says, if you'll, if you'll work on your marriage, I'll bless it. 
If you'll work on your parenting ability, he says, I'll bless that work. If you'll work in your career and your job, he says, there is a blessing and a prosperity that will come from your work. Not just because you're doing it for somebody, but you're doing it as unto me, I'll bless it. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 13 verse 4, it says, the soul of a lazy man desires. He just dreams, but he has nothing. But the soul of the diligent, God says, I'll make it rich. But again, he says, you got to put some effort there. You've got to give God something to work with. Psalm 19, verse 17, it says, May the favor of the Lord God rest on us. How many of y'all believe God for the favor, for his favor? He says, I'll make it rest on you. But here's the part. He says, I'll establish the work of your hands. Yes, I'll establish the work of your hands. Everybody wants the favor of God. Everybody wants the blessing of God. Everybody wants prosperity and everybody wants rich. We all want those things. But God says, listen, he says, give me something to work to work with. And the last thing I'll say is, again, I know that you guys, I'm not saying that you don't work or you don't have jobs, but one of the reasons I wanted to give you this is because you work, then you can take these scriptures and you can go before God and you say, God, you said that the diligent would prosper. God, you said that you would favor my work. God, you said that I would abound with blessings. God, you said that if I would do this, then, then, then you would do that. So God, I'm taking my work before you and I'm not just doing it for a man, but I'm doing it as unto you and I'm expecting you to do what you said that you would do because lots of times and we could I got other scriptures you know we get caught up talking about the boss or talking about this and we don't like that but listen uh, God he says I'm in control he says I'm the one that can favor you and prosper you and bless you so that's your homework that's your homework because I know all of you are good hard-working citizens all of you I know I know y'all are good workers but take, the, take, take, take these scriptures and say, God, I'm believing you for that. I'm believing you for increase. That while I'm working, I'm believing that, that I'll get the promotion. I'm believing I'll get the promotion. I believe that, that I'll get it. They may, that they may be more qualified, but because my heart's right, my motive's right, because I'm doing my work as unto you, I'm believing that I'll get that job. I'm believing whenever I go to that interview, they'll like me. They'll like me. I believe that I'll find that thing that you have for me because you're out in front of me. You're working on things right now that I'll walk into three months from now, six months from now, a year from now. You're working. God's working in our futures. Let's pray together this.